welcome Hoosier fans to another victorious episode of the Assembly Call as today your Indiana Hoosiers defeat Notre Dame in the Crossroads Classic 62-60 to in a game that the Hoosiers actually led by 17 at one point in the second half after really, really playing well, but then the Hoosiers relaxed on defense, stopped doing the things on offense that had built them the lean, and Notre Dame came storming back at one point, going up by as many as five late. But the Hoosiers were able to make the plays down the stretch to get the win. They moved to 11-1. and And now out of those four non-conference games against big schools that we looked at at the beginning of the season and said that Indiana really needed to do well in to set themselves up for March, the Hoosiers are now 3-0 and in those games with one more coming next Sunday against Arkansas. So, you know, look, there are obviously some some there were some difficult parts of that second half. We'll talk about it. But ultimately, the Hoosiers get the win. They make the plays late uh, and win another close one at the Crossroads Classic, which is becoming uh, a bit of a, uh, a trend here. I'm your host, Jared Morris. I'm here with Ryan Phillips. We're going to break it all down for you on this edition of the Assembly Call IU Postgame Show. And let's start this show the way that we start every show, and that is with our banner moment. Pretty easy for today, where we're going with this, with the score 60-59, to Notre Dame in the lead by one. The Hoosiers get the ball into the corner to Armand Franklin, who entered today 4-for-27 from the three-point line. Ryan and I talked about on the IU Nebraska postgame show how, you know, look, he's going to, obviously you want a young player to keep shooting, but he's going to have to improve his shot selection. you know. And, and a lot of people are wondering, why does Armand keep shooting? Well, today he exploded for Indiana. That three-pointer that he made put Indiana up 62-60, to 60, uh, which is obviously the margin by which they would win. But you can even think back a couple minutes earlier. It was 59-54 to 54, Notre Dame. Nothing going right for Indiana. The offense just totally out of sync. Armand steps up to make a three. That made it 59-57. to 57. Trace Jackson Davis's dunk would come a minute later. And the biggest takeaway for me coming out of this game, when the Hoosiers looked kind of rudderless there in the second half, who's the leader? Who's going to step up? I even sent out a tweet that said, you know, look, this has been a bad stretch for Indiana. Now is an opportunity for someone to step step up and say, we're not going out like this. You know, it was Trace in the Nebraska game. Today, it was Armand and Trace Jackson Davis late that stepped up and made plays for Indiana. And you obviously would like for it to be your upperclassmen, uh, but that wasn't what happened today. But Indiana's freshmen showed that they have the maturity, that they have the talent to step up in big moments like this. And we've seen Trace do it. He's been doing it all season. But to see Armand step up and do it, especially on the heels of perhaps his worst shooting performance in that last game, really showed tremendous maturity and resiliency from that young man. He was outstanding. Uh, Trace was outstanding. And Indiana hopped on their back for the final three minutes, and they helped deliver this very, very important win uh, for Indiana. All right, our banner moment today, as always, brought to you by our friends at Homefield Apparel, a company that was founded by an IU grad and that remains based in Indianapolis. At Homefield Apparel, you will find the most comfortable and unique IU apparel anywhere. The materials that the t-shirts are made out of, that the sweatshirts are made out of, they're comfortable from the moment that you take them out of the package, and even after you wash them, they stay just as comfortable. And at Home Field, they have unique logos that you won't find anywhere else, from the Bison logo uh, to the new Christian Watford uh, Watchout shirts that they put out as well, always coming up with unique, interesting designs. And of course, they put the nine Indiana shirts out before the football season even started. So if you want to get that shirt, maybe tempt fate a little bit uh, before the bowl game, you can get that as well. But so much to choose from, from our friends at Home Field Apparel. For you, for any of the IU fans in your life, that's the place to go and get apparel. And remember that because you're an Assembly Call listener, you get a massive discount when you order at homefieldapparel.com. Use the promo code ASSEMBLY20 at checkout. You'll get 20% off your entire order. That's Assembly20 at checkout for 20% off your entire order. Go to Home Field Apparel today and get the most unique and comfortable IU apparel anywhere. All right. Well, it is time to move the ball, find the open man, and get some opening thoughts from the rest of our team. And we start with the only other member of our team today, Ryan Phillips. Ryan, your rant on this Indiana victory. You know, here's here's the issue I have. I know we won and we'll talk about it. And hey, the toughness from from uh, Franklin and Trace Jackson Davis late to make those plays to win. Great. I'm, I'm excited to see it. And and I'm thankful. And yeah, I was celebrating when when Franklin hit those two threes. No, no question about it. The problem I have is that throughout the second half, Indiana got a 17 point lead and got lazy on offense and defense. And the problem I have 
is we didn't see other characters filtering in on the floor. If your team is not playing well, and I know Archie Miller knows this, but if your team is not playing well, don't leave the same guys on the floor. For example, Race Thompson, Demise Anderson have been called. You know, They're part of the 11 guys who are all going to play on this. They played four minutes all game. In that stretch where Indiana had nothing going on in offense and defense and Notre Dame slowly chipped away at the lead. I mean, it wasn't, it wasn't like Notre Dame had one run over three minutes that did this. This was a 10-minute situation where Indiana's not scoring, playing poor defense. Filter in Demise Anderson. Filter in Race Thompson. Filter in, you know, I mean, Jerome Hunter got a couple minutes in there. But, you know, if you're going to run 11 deep, it, the, one of the benefits is you can filter in new guys when things aren't going well and turn it around. For the most of that stretch, we saw Justin Smith in there not playing very well. You saw Joey Bronk, who had a great first half, was okay in the second half, but wasn't making impact plays. You saw uh, Devontae Green out there not doing a whole lot. You saw Al Durham out there not doing a whole lot. Maybe a change in lineup, you know, a radical change in lineup. You have 11 guys you want to use. Hey, Deron Davis didn't get much of a shot in the first half because he got two fouls, two, one of them questionable in, the, in one minute, didn't play the rest of the game. Maybe mix it up with him. I just that was what bothered me about that stretch. Wasn't just that the guys were lazy and kind of fell into bad habits and were instead of pounding the ball inside like they had done all game to great success, they were just kind of passing it around the perimeter and throwing kind of bounce passes in traffic into the post, which we talked about in our group tweets. This team's penchant for firing really hard bounce passes to guys who were three feet from them in traffic is just it's maddening. And because that's a turnover. That's you're just asking for a turnover with that. I mean, you throw a hard bounce pass to a guy three feet from you, it's it's gonna be a turnover. Um, so just a lot of that stuff was just okay, they're in a bad pattern. That happens in games. Guys get into bad habits, whatever, need to come out, sit down, rethink things, watch the game for a minute, and then get back in and realize where they're supposed to attack. But the fact that guys weren't getting shuffled out when they were playing poorly, that bothered me. Because that just perpetuated bad habits. That perpetuated things. Uh, you know, Rob Finnessy did not have a very did not have a good game today at all, and he played 15 minutes. And it's you know if you it, Rob is is still not back all the way, and if you're if he's not playing well, put somebody else in there. You put him in at the end for defense, which I thought was the right move on that last possession for Notre Dame because of his on ball defense. But don't leave him out there for long stretches if he's not playing well. You know, filter him out, take him to the side, have a coach talk to him. You know, I mean, those things are important. And and I just felt like the coaching staff didn't take advantage of the fact that you do have 11 players you claim you want to play. Well, then play them, utilize them. You had Justin Smith play 35 minutes today, not very well for most of it. And, 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 um, so I just, that, that was what bothered me the most is that they had opportunities to, there were dead balls in there. They had plenty of opportunities to change things up, give a different look, maybe even just sit somebody down for a few minutes, give them a breather and let them refocus. And I didn't think they did that. And that was, I think led to Notre Dame gaining in confidence, not having to look at different looks, not having to, having to look at different defenders. Notre Dame got comfortable, started hitting some shots. And then that's when the comeback started. Now, look, all credit to Indiana for toughing it out at the end, turning it around, and winning the game. No, and and you're eleven and one. And I know you don't want to question. You're or a lot of people are going to be like, "Yeah, hey, they won." And and you're right, they won. But at the same time, you allowed yourself to go from a situation where it was a comfortable seventeen point lead, potentially going up to twenty. I mean, they had all the momentum, and they played themselves out of that lead. Credit to Notre Dame for coming back, but Indiana played themselves out of that lead, and that's concerning because Big Ten teams aren't going to let you get away with that like Notre Dame did today. I mean, look, I think this Indiana team is just kind of a young, immature team right now. I mean, what usually happens... When's when, that going to stop being the excuse, though? No, no, no. That's not... Hold on. Hold on. Yeah, yeah. Hold on. It's I'm not, not an excuse. You. Okay. I've heard that, and I'm just okay, kind of like, mm. Let me explain it, because it's not an excuse, but what I'm saying is, usually if you're going to be a team that is going to step on the throat of a decent opponent, you know, which Notre Dame is a decent opponent. So for you to be, you know, for Indiana to take that 17-point lead and win the game by 17 or win the game by 20, what usually has to happen is your seniors and juniors, when you have a big lead, are the ones who keep yep. that edge and keep you going. And the problem is, to me, watching the game, those are the guys that relaxed more than anybody else. You Agreed. could see it. I, I put a tweet out. It was 44-27, and Notre Dame got a three-pointer. They got an offensive rebound, a couple of slow closeouts, 
And Indiana was still up 14, but I said, hey, if this possession is a sign of things to come, Notre Dame can come back. Because it was like everything we had been doing on defense had changed. You could see it. Yep. And it was a sign of things to come because it continued. And I put the responsibility for that on the shoulders of the upperclassmen. Because I, I don't think they kept the same edge. And so what I'm saying is... I don't think it, it's it's not good, and I don't you know I, I don't want to just excuse it. This is something that has to get better. But I think for Indiana to be able to keep their edge, you've got to have your upperclassmen and your coach do the right things in those moments. And as we just explained to me, that's why this lead evaporated. Now it's incredibly encouraging that your young guys can make plays like that at the end of the game, but it shouldn't yep. have been in that position. And so. here's the thing about the young guys making plays at the end of games is that they're not going to be able to do that every game because that's not what freshmen do. I mean, freshmen are going to, you know, Armand Franklin, God love him. It was a great performance today, but you know, in a big 10 game, he's going to have a chance to make a big three and he's going to miss it because he's a freshman and that's what freshmen do. Or he's going to, he's going to take a bad shot in a certain situation. That's going to happen. It bailed you out today, but I truly think that that three from Franklin really did bail Indiana out. I don't think that was a well-earned, you know, possession. That was good passing on that possession and everything, but I, I, I feel mean, like I, know, I, think that what, possession, I think that possession was fine. Like the like position was fine. What I'm saying is it was a bailout after Notre Dame had blown two possessions too. You know, I mean, it was yes. like there, there's no, it, it's not like Indiana played stellar shutdown defense, got a shot clock violation, then came down and had this great possession and won it. I, I just feel like they kind of backed into a win and they got a great possession and a great shot to, to win it. But it just it doesn't feel like, OK, Indiana went out and won this game. And and it's because we only played for 28 minutes. That's the issue. And then we yeah, totally relax. That's the concerning thing. And, and, and I and I agree with your your overall point. What I meant was and I wasn't attacking you when I said it, but like at what point is like this is a young team going to stop being an excuse? Because we heard last year that it was a young team. We heard the year before it was a young team. Eventually, your team's got to grow up. I mean, I, mean it's, I, I, you agree, know, I agree with you. Yeah, no, I was agreeing with you. I was just saying it in a different way. Like at some point, your team's got to grow up. And sometimes your seniors have to take possession of the team. Yeah. And whether it's Joey Brunk, whether it's Al Durham, whether it's Devontae Green, whether it's Justin Smith, somebody's got to say, okay, we got to stop this. This isn't going on anymore. Somebody's got to walk over to the coach and be like, hey, take this guy out. He's not yeah. pulling his weight. You know, I mean, you have to, it's a, it's not, as we've said before, it's not Archie. I, I've said this many times. It's not Archie Miller's team. It's all of those players' team as well. They got to be just as responsible as he does. And he he'll, he gives them the plays. He gives them the defensive sets. He gives them, you know, coaches them and everything. But it's on them, too, to execute it and make sh and hold their teammates accountable for executing. And that's that's something we haven't seen yet from this team. I agree with you wholeheartedly. Um, yeah, I, I, I do. I, I want to talk a little bit more about Armand um, because, you know, th this to me, like, yeah, you know, Armand is probably not going to go four for five from three, you know, and then get fouled on another one and make all three free throws. This yeah. might be the best shooting performance he'll ever have as a Hoosier. But I wouldn't go that far. I think but, he'll but be no, a, no, a good well, shooter eventually. I mean, it's, it's kind of, no, no, hold on. I mean, it's, it's just hard to be better than what he well, was today because he was 80%, so good. 80% is pretty good. Here, here's the bigger takeaway. Here's what I took away, and I wrote this in my notes in the first half, so it has nothing to do with what happened in the second half. We learned today that Armand is a shooter. And you know how we know that Armand is a shooter? Because he, he rebounded from that bad performance last week. The first shot that he got was in the flow of the offense. He didn't force it. It was after the ball had been reversed a couple of times. He stepped up. He knocked it down. So he saw that first one go through. Next possession down, he gets it in transition, and he is ready to fire it. And that's the one that he yeah. got fouled on. Yeah. But the, his mentality today showed me that he's a shooter. Because what does a shooter do? A shooter shoots. And it would be easy for a freshman like Armand coming off a game like that to be kind of reticent to be passive, and he yeah. wasn't. He came back from it with a mentality that I'm going to go out there and make shots because, dang it, I am a shooter. And this is a program that has been starved for that. You know, so, you know, he's not a Jordan Holes guy. I don't know he's going to be out there shooting 45% from three, but, you know, you can learn a lot about young players in moments like this from their mentality. And I was so impressed with his mentality. And it wasn't just the shooting. You know, late in the game, one of the most important plays he made was defensively. I think it was, maybe it was after he made the three or right before, he got switched on to Mooney and had to front Mooney, forced yep. him to get a tough catch on the baseline, and then took a charge. So it wasn't just the threes. He came out and just made plays over and over and over again. 
and again, I know I probably said this three times, coming on the heels of maybe his worst performance, that is so impressive for a young player. I just No, he, he was, was really impressive today. He was aggressive from the jump today. And and I feel like, you know, being at home in Indianapolis and all that stuff helped him to just be comfortable and aggressive. And it was impressive. I mean, I I, I don't think our game ball uh vote is gonna be tough later. Um in fourteen minutes he had seventeen points. Like, you know, that that's efficiency. Yeah. Even I, even the non-stats guy over here knows that's efficiency. Um, so yeah, I, I think that it was it was a really nice performance from him, and and it came on the, the heels of last year with Rob Finnessy showing up, you know, and hitting that big three against uh, Butler in the Crossroads Classic. So we saw it again from a freshman this year. So. Uh, yeah, it, it was great, and and he was aggressive all game, and he was focused, and he was locked in. And there were times where I don't think you've said this much about Franklin, or we, you know, you've thought this much about Fra- Franklin, but when he was off the floor, you noticed it some. Mm-hmm. And and I don't think I've really felt that way this year at, at, at all. And maybe you know, in the very early season, he had a couple uh, decent showings, but in in a long time, it hasn't felt like oh, you know, they should probably get Franklin, probably rotate Franklin back in there, and and. Uh, and and let him you know get back in the mix. So uh, it, that that's a credit to him because I think there are other guys on this team who you know kind of monopolize minutes at times. And I think that he probably needs to start getting more, especially with some of the performance we've seen from some of those guys lately. The other you know the other really important storyline I think Ryan that we need to hit here off the top, and it is easy to kind of lose this in the fog of those final eight minutes, which weren't good. This was still this was a good defensive performance from Indiana. Now they had a bad stretch, but overall up until that point, you know, Indiana didn't build that 17-point lead just because Notre Dame was missing a bunch of shots. Indiana was playing good defense yep. for the game. They held Notre Dame to 0.94 points per possession. Notre Dame could get nothing and, inside the three-point. And that's nothing. almost and that's that's what made it such a stark difference as Indiana went from playing really really good, some of their best defense of the season to really just kind of relaxing and then Notre Dame took advantage of it, but you know, as much as Al struggled offensively, as much as Rob struggled offensively, and even Devontae too, uh, to a certain extent, having all four of those guys back really made a noticeable difference in the perimeter defense for a lot of yeah. the game. In the first half, one of the announcers even commented, Notre Dame, they just can't dribble in, you know, and, and containing and dribble penetration. Your whole is predicated on driving kick. And, and that, that's what Indiana's entire defense is predicated on preventing. Mm-hmm. And if you prevent that, it makes the defense look better. So, again, we want to see Indiana play 40 minutes of defense. This was not you know, the ultimate defensive performance. Hopefully it's a stepping stone. But for the first 28 minutes of the game, that was as consistent defensively as Indiana's probably played all season long. And now the hope is, you know, you get another full week. Well, not a full week because they're going to have, you know, some time off for Christmas. But you get another full week at least of, of getting those guys healthier, getting some practice time. And maybe we start to see the defense be more consistent because, as we've said, a big issue all year long has just been, you know, the guards haven't been healthy. Our perimeter defense has struggled. You started to see that get shored up some today, and that was encouraging. Yeah, and Franklin contributed to that as well And and uh, when he was on the floor. Now, it, it, was, it was a great performance. It was a very encouraging performance for about the first, you know, 22 minutes or something like that of that game. And, and he thought, wow, they're really locked in today, especially in early game. And, you know, a Crossroads Classic, they've had some really uneven performances in this in this event and and to really see them locked in like that was very encouraging which i guess you're right made the next the drop off after that even more discouraging uh just because it it felt like it was a lack of effort and it felt like it was laziness and it was like we worked really hard to get this far we can kind of relax now and that's that's not the way basketball works you 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 can relax when you're up 40 not when you're up 17 these days with the way people shoot threes 17 isn't even that big a lead anymore it really isn't i mean you routinely see teams come back from that so uh, that was it was disappointing but certainly indiana earned everything they got up to that point i mean they really did and they forced three pointers and and they forced Notre Dame had the contested three pointers. It was in the, in the first half. Notre Dame went two of was it fifteen from three, two and then the 15, second, yeah, yeah, and the second half they went four of twelve. Um, but there were some more, you know, uh, contested threes in the second half as well. But the problem was that you allowed Notre Dame to go from shooting, you know, making something like eight buckets in the first half to shooting forty eight percent in the second half, and you know, upping their assist total to twelve and moving the ball around the perimeter and and carving you up. When in reality, that you had shown that you can defend that very easily in the first half. So 
it, you're right. It was encouraging and then at the same time disappointing to see it fall off the table. You know, and offensively, Indiana, I mean, pounded the ball inside constantly in the first half to start the second half constantly. And then they just went away from it. And, and this is part part of what you ranted about is they, you know, and that to me is just that is relaxing mentally. Because it's hard every possession to get the ball inside. Your post guys to have focus to on it, post yeah. up. Your guards have to, you know, you've got to get in position to make good post feeds. Like, it's, it requires some focus. It's easy to just kind of pass the ball around the perimeter and chuck up a shot. And Indiana lost Late that. Clock, so that, yeah. you know, the, 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 it was just a lack of mental toughness, a lack of maturity for Indiana for that stretch. They were able to come back. They won the game. But that's where now, if you try to look at, okay, how does this Indiana team maybe go from being... They've established... This Indiana team's a good team. Like, this is a good team. How do they become really good? You remove that eight-minute stretch or start to minimize that where you basically just stop playing your game. You know, there was, I mean, there's no other reason for it besides Indiana just kind of relaxed and stopped playing their game and Notre Dame up their intensity a little bit. But you start to whittle that down a few minutes at a time, and now you can start to see this Indiana team really start to thrive. So. Yeah, I think that if you go through, even if you have a 17-point lead on a team like Ohio State or Michigan and you relax like that, they'll blow you out the building. You know, I mean, it's 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 just that... It, so Indiana's going to play better teams, you're right, and they need to not have these lapses to that degree. I mean, look, you're going to have a bad stretch in a game. It happens every game. I mean, there are very few games where you're going to go through and play perfect the whole time. You're going to have two, four, you know, five-minute stretches where you don't play your best basketball, and it cannot be what it was today it just can't yep okay uh coming up here on the assembly call as we continue our breakdown of indiana's two-point victory over notre dame i'll point out today's meaningful moments that you might have missed and then we will go inside the numbers to highlight the most important statistical notes from the game you are listening to the assembly call stick with us What's going on? It's Christian Wofford. What's the only thing better than an epic buzzer beater? Celebrating it with friends afterwards. Join my guys, Jared, Andy, Ryan, and Coach on the Assembly Call after every IU game. Go Hoosiers. Thank you, Christian. You are listening to the Assembly Call IU postgame show. I'm Jared Morse here with Ryan Phillips. We are breaking down Indiana's two-point victory over Notre Dame at the Crossroads Classic on Saturday afternoon. And it is time now for today's Meaningful Moments that you might have missed. And Ryan, you know, one guy that we haven't talked about a lot yet is Joey Brunk, uh, who did, who had a huge impact in the first half of this game. And so there are a couple moments from Joey um, that I want to highlight. You know, one of them came back in the first half, about the three-minute mark in the first half. Indiana was up 29-20. to 20. Joey Brunk had a great offensive rebound. I believe it was his ninth uh, offensive rebound of the half. I think he finished with 10 or 11 of them. But he had an offensive rebound, found Armand Franklin in the corner for a three-pointer, uh, and Armand made it his second three-pointer of the half. That put Indiana up 32-20. to 20. You know, and, and to me, you know, that play, obviously those two guys, they scored 17 of Indiana's 34 points, were huge there in that stretch where Indiana extended that lead. And it was, you know, an example of how Joey Brunk in the first half of the game really took the challenge with Mooney on and and dominated him. I mean, like I said, almost had a double-double, you know, outscored him, out-rebounded him. I thought Joey really set an important tone early for what Indiana wanted to do, making himself available to get the ball inside, you know, going up strong and just owning the glass, you know, because Mooney is a guy that averages a double-double, 13, 14 rebounds a game, uh, and, and Joey came out and just got Indiana off on the right foot. And then, you know, another play from him in the second half that I thought was great, because the thing that I that I noticed about Joey offensively today is he was really patient. Sometimes, you, you know, he might have even been a little bit too patient, but he was really patient when he got the ball in the block, allowed some things to develop. And there was a play in the second half about the 14-45 mark. It was 44-30. to 30. Joey gets it on the block. A double team came over, and Trace Jackson Davis smartly recognized it, dove to the bucket. Joey found him. And Trace got the dunk. And it was, it was a great play by the two of them. Joey being patient, Trace having the IQ to recognize it, dive to the basket, get the dunk. And so it was just, it was definitely one of Joey's, uh, you know, best overall games. Again, his impact was a little bit more muted in the second half than it was yeah. in, the, in the first half. Well, but nobody's getting the ball inside. I mean, yeah, but I mean, big man's going to. But that first half was huge. That's when Indiana, you know, kind of you know put some distance between them and Notre Dame, and they needed all of that distance, obviously. So, uh, you know, 
I, I think what we're learning with Joey Brunk is he's probably not going to be a guy that can come out and just be a dominant force all game long. And there will probably be stretches of games that he might disappear a little bit or that he may struggle defensively. But he is really showing that he can put together four, eight, minute stretches of games where he makes a huge impact. He did it against Connecticut, um, you know, obviously to, to help Indiana secure that win. And he did it in, in this situation as well. So, you know, th- those two plays really epitomized to me uh, the impact of Joey Brunk, um, you know, good passing, good rebounding. Uh, it was a really solid day for him. Yeah. And I think that the other thing about what you can say about Joey is his defense was much better today. He was not hedging, you know, and over helping 25, 27 feet from the basket and then putting the defense on its heels. He was flattening out on those hedges a little bit. He was being smarter. He wasn't leaving guys wide open. He was recovering, you know, much more quickly. I don't know if that's sustained, if it just had something to do with the matchup or if this is what he's going to be now moving forward. But at the same time, uh, it was just positive to see, especially with that offensive performance in the first half. I mean, you know, Indiana owned the offensive glass in this game and it got, what was it? 15 offensive rebounds, something like that. 17. I, Indiana had 15, 15, offensive, 15 rebounds. offensive rebounds, you know, in the um, in the game. And, you know, he had four of them and it was just giving them second chance opportunities, whether they took advantage of them or not. They had 15 second chance points, I believe. And, you know, the whether you make baskets on those or not, obviously you want to, but you're putting so much pressure on the defense if you just continually drag out possessions and drag out possessions. I and mean, there was one stretch where Notre Dame didn't cross half court for like a minute or something like that. And this, I think that was in the second half where Indiana just continually was getting offensive rebounds and kicking it out and running offense. And that just absolutely devastates a defense. Now, obviously, Notre Dame wound up coming back from that and getting off the mat, but you do that enough and teams are going to give up. They just are because they can't beat you. One other play that that jumped out to me about the 16 minute mark, Indiana up 40 to 25. So this is when the Hoosiers were really cruising uh, and it was a late shot clock situation and Devante had the ball out on the right wing. And typically when he gets in that situation, he's hunting a three, almost always he's hunting a three. And instead, this time, you know, he kind of surveyed the court, composed himself, and drove into the lane instead of settling for the three and made a nice little layup. And that put Indiana up 17. Yeah. And and I mentioned that not just because it gave Indiana their biggest lead of the game, but for a couple reasons. Number one, I would like to see Devontae do that more. I feel like the scouting Do more report, of that and less dribbling between your legs in traffic. Yes. Well, And, and just less settling for long threes anyway at yeah. the end of the shot clock. Because I'm sure the scouting report is out on him that he's going to hunt those at the end of the shot clock. And he can sometimes get better shots if he's a little bit more patient. Because yep. he can pretty much always get himself into the lane. Now... Once he's there, he needs to have a little bit better decision making. You know, he had uh, you know that one shot in the first half that got rejected by Durham uh, for and Notre Dame and went the other way for a transition bucket. Yeah. That was not good. And by the way, um, when he did it, there were three guys at the three point line just begging for the ball to yeah. wide open. Yeah, so that that was not good. Um, but Devontae's late shot clock offense was really important in the second half, and it's going to go unnoticed because of what the freshman did down the stretch, and that's fine. But he made a couple of really huge baskets for Indiana when nothing else was happening. And, you know, that's the impact Devontae gives you on a team that, that is... fade away on the baseline was one of those, <laughs> you should never take that no. shot, and somehow and it went in. I don't and... know if... Was that one late shot clock? I, I don't, uh, I don't I recall think it if that was. Maybe it was. But, yeah. but, but again, he's a shot maker. And sometimes it's nice to have a guy that can make some tough shots because in a game where you win by two, you needed all of those from Devontae. And yeah. so, you know, he had 11 points, two assists, no turnovers today. Uh, you know, he was solid. But also, I would say, you know, out of those six missed shots that he have, two or three of them were kind of like turnovers because they led to easy transition points the yeah. other way. And they, were and they just weren't good get decisions. Yeah, yeah, they weren't good decisions. So I would like to see Devontae, you know, it's weird to say be more patient at the end of a shot clock, but I feel like he can be. And if he probes a little bit more and gets into lane, I think he can sometimes get better shots. And it might actually give him more opportunities to get threes if guys play him a little bit more honestly late in the shot clock. So I'd just like to see him do that more. I agree. And and look, I think his three-pointers should come stepping into them off a catch. I mean, that's when he's at his best, I think. Uh, there are a couple in transition where he pulls up, but he's not Yogi Ferrell where he's got that full-speed transition stop and hit the three. I mean, that was one of the things that Yogi was God, better than any, better than anybody at. It's He was yeah. lethal with that. And I don't feel like that's Devontae's strength. I feel like his strength is coming, you know, a kick out or off a catch or off a reversal taking that shot. So 
hope I, I'd like to see him focus more on that than on the dribble, make a dribble move, step back and shoot a three. So let's look at numbers, Ryan, your favorite segment of the show. You know, oh, why, yeah. why did this game end up being as close as it was? I think the first number that you would look at is the free throw line. Yep. And Notre Dame entered this game one of the best teams in the country at keeping teams off the line. When teams were getting there, they weren't even shooting it well against Notre Dame. So only 10% of opponent offense against Notre Dame had been derived from the free throw line. And we know for Indiana, that is one of the ways that Indiana wants to score. Indiana derives more of its offense from the free throw line, 25% than almost anybody. Now, I was a little bit heartened because when Notre Dame had played big schools, those schools had tended to get to the free throw line around normal. So I hoped Indiana could do that. But the Hoosiers only get 12 free throws today, which is well, well below their their nation-leading free throw rate coming into this. And, and they quite only, frankly, and they only converted the second, seven of them. And quite frankly, in the second half, Trace Jackson Davis earned probably about half a dozen to eight more free throw attempts that did not get called. Yeah, and I I agree with you. And that's the point that I wanted to make here is it's easy to just look at the number and say, oh, well, you know, so, you know, Indiana really kind of went away from what they were they tried to do. Yeah, they did for that short stretch. But I thought otherwise, you know, they Trace went up strong. They pounded it inside. And I agree. I thought some of the calls they've been getting, they didn't get. Look, if you're a team that wants to play through the free throw line, that also means that you're putting Taking the onus the on the refs a little yeah. bit to make the calls, and Indiana didn't get those calls today. So they were still able to win. If they get those calls like they normally do, again, you know, they probably win this game by more points. Um, what uh, yeah, numbers- I, thought, I thought specifically Trace and, and Joey both got fouled a lot and didn't get calls. Now, look, there were only 27 fouls called in the game total, so they weren't calling anything, but there, I think there's a difference between calling something on the perimeter that's a touch foul as opposed to calling a guy going up for a shot and getting hammered in the post. There's a difference there. You know, I get it. You don't want to call ticky tack hand check kind of things on the perimeter. I'm fine with that. But when a guy's shot is altered by contact at the rim, that's a little bit different because Trace Jackson Davis is not a guy who misses at the rim that much, you know, and and neither is Joey Bronx not going to be either. And, and so to to sort of not call those was kind of it was disheartening and maybe Indiana got away with a few on the other end but um, you know as, as it was balanced out but I just think that it's you know especially late like that dunk the trace had at the end he was fouled on that there was no question he was fouled on that the play before where he missed a shot he was fouled on that you know I mean it's you know guys when guys are hammering your arm as you're shooting, that's a pretty clear foul. You can't argue that, I don't think. So that was a little disheartening. I think that they probably earned more free throws than it will show up in the box score. But again, the officials were clearly making an effort to not call a lot of fouls, which typically I'm fine with. But if it alters a shot, I think you have to blow the whistle. Yeah, I agree with you. Um, you know, so, okay, so how did Indiana compensate and still win not getting to the free throw line as much as normal? Well, against a pretty good rebounding team, they own the glass. Indiana out-rebounded Notre Dame by, by 10. Uh, Indiana, I think we said earlier, 15 offensive rebounds. They were able to turn that into 15 second-chance points. That continues to be huge for Indiana, their relentlessness on the glass. And, you know, as we mentioned, Notre Dame shot 6 of 27 from three-point range. And, you know, that number isn't always useful Which is 22% without, for all you math. It is, but... There. But that number isn't always useful without context because, you know, a lot of times when it comes to three-point defense, you want to try and limit attempts. Indiana, defensively, they don't limit attempts. Indiana gives up, you know, as many three, I, I don't, they're in the 300 somewhere in terms of three-point attempts. And so when that happens, you're a bit at the mercy of how well the other team is shooting unless you are doing a good job of getting to shooters, challenging shots, and Indiana did that today. So... I am I'm absolutely buying the 22% three-point shooting as a function of Indiana's defense and not just Notre Dame having an off-shooting game. I thought for the most part Indiana was there to challenge shots, made those looks difficult. So, you know, when you have the combination of the the defensive strategy Indiana employs in the game Notre Dame wants to play, you're going to give up, you know, 25 plus three-pointers probably. So how difficult do you make them? And Indiana made most of those pretty tough uh, and so I you know, I was I was encouraged to see that. 
Well, it's um, worth noting too that Goodwin made three threes in the second half, and Notre Dame made four. So it was really one guy getting in a rhythm for Notre Dame and hitting some shots. And look, he's the guy that you have to cover on the perimeter for Indiana, and they let him get loose a few times. But you know, they made four of twelve in the second half. People were and and, and the the broadcasts were saying, "Oh, you know, Notre Dame's starting to shoot it better." Well, really, it was just Goodwin shooting better. I mean, he's three of five in the second half, and so really, Notre er, Indiana did a great job shutting down. The rest of the team it was just a matter of losing Goodwin a few times, and yeah, two of those came in like a five second stretch, I, <laughs> like I know. a ten second stretch. It's like, whoa, we're and, losing now, <laughs> and, and those are the two guys, and that's the one guy you can't get let get loose for two. So at the same time, while it's frustrating, it was one guy hitting a couple threes. Uh, you know, fourteen assists for Indiana on twenty five made field goals is really good. That's as, as good of an assist rate as we've seen in a while. Um, and, and you know, I thought we did see. For the most part, you know, less of some of the one-on-one dribbling yeah. type stuff that has gotten Indiana into trouble. Now, you know, to your point, some of the passes left you scratching your head at times. And they do that. I don't know. I don't know if that's taught or what, but firing a bounce don't pass know. in traffic among legs and everything is that's you'd rather go with with Indiana's size. You'd rather throw it over the top of the defense than throwing it on a low, making a big guy reach down in traffic to get a pass is a recipe for disaster. That is the, that's the way you turn the ball over. I mean, that is a turnover waiting to happen. It might be successful a few times. It's one thing if it's a post feed where it's just the guy and then your defender in between them. But if it's in traffic where guys are cutting through and stuff and you're throwing bounce passes and driving, that, that is just asking for a turnover. You might get lucky some, and get a kickball. Some guys are good at it. Like Robert Johnson was pretty good at that. Yeah. Al, Al Durham, though. But it, as a as a rule, yeah. it's a bad idea. Yes. Some guys are good at it. Like, you know, Al Devontae can be good at it sometimes, but then his decision making on them sometimes is okay. Well, it's like, you know, a guy like Iverson could throw passes in traffic. A guy like Rajon Rondo could throw passes in traffic. But as a rule, yeah. I mean, those guys are insanely, t- you know, those are rare. And, yeah. and it's just it's just silly to throw a pass in traffic anyway let alone a bounce pass where you don't have to worry about just arms. You got to worry about legs and body parts. It's, you know, come on guys. Yeah. It's just silly. You know, the other number, Indiana with 19 bench points today, which is a fine number. 17 of them <laughs> came from one guy, yeah. you know, 17 yeah. of them from Armand yeah. Franklin. The other two, I like Jerome Hunter's Jerome bucket Hunter. though. I, I like Jerome Hunter's bucket too. And and look, you know, Jerome missed a couple of threes. He I played well I, defensively. But, and you know what? Both of those three pointers were good shots. And just like Armand needed to keep shooting through his slump, Jerome needs to keep shooting through his slump because you saw today how important it can be when a guy gets out of that slump and gets some confidence. That is going to happen with Jerome. I I don't know that Jerome's ever going to go four for five, but what we saw from Armand today, that there's going to be a game where that happens for Jerome and he makes his first one, he gets another one and he starts to get into a rhythm. So I was fine with those shots. His shot technically looks fine. He just needs to see one go down. Yeah, he needs to see one or two go down, and he's going to be fine. It's just, and and from a physical standpoint, his shot is fine. It's just, it's it's got to be mentally where he's releasing it, how he's letting it go. You know, I mean, what point? It's it's millimeters are the difference between him making these shots and missing them. Yep, and it's in his head, and he just needs to see one go down and start feeling good about it. Because look, I thought Jer- I think Jerome over the last couple of weeks has looked a lot more comfortable on the court defensively and offensively. I think he's you know we've seen him have little putbacks. We've seen him kind of get near the post, and you know it may be only two points a game, four points a game, but he's you know more in the flow of the game and maybe get grabbing the ball in the paint and putting it up and in, and yeah. you know looking like oh hey th- that's that's Jerome Hunter. We're starting to see it, but. Um, he just needs to see a three or two go down, and I think he'll be fine. Yep. The other number that jumps out when you look at the box score is Justin Smith, two for 10. And that's, you know, that's not a good shooting performance. He did not take any three-pointers, and for the most part, his shots were inside shots. And here, here's what I would say about this, and I'm curious if you agree. I actually think most of the individual shots themselves were, were, fine. were fine. They were within the flow of the offense. They were inside. He was attacking. But he's gotten into this habit of trying to kind of do little hook shots and throw it up with one hand. The and one bucket that, backwards while he's doing yeah, it. Yeah. And and so, you know, the shots themselves are fine, but the way that he's executing the shots isn't. And there was one play in the second half. Uh, it was it was when it was fifty to forty seven. And, and again, you know, the, the offense is struggling. Indiana really needs a bucket. 
he took it from the wing, drove right into the post, gave a power dribble, went up with two hands, scored, probably got fouled, and barked at the official afterwards. I'm thinking to myself, why not do that every time? Yeah, that's if what he's it just was. aggressive. It, here's the here's the thing about Justin Smith. It's almost like he doesn't realize how physical he is and how physical he can be yeah. and how, you know, he is more athletic than 90% of the people he's going to face. And it's, it, it, you know, when he catches the ball in the paint and just kind of goes up with a little floater leaning away, it's like, dude, jump up and go over somebody. You can. Yeah. It's not the difference between necessarily dunking on them, but go up vertically and lean forward and lay it in as opposed to go up and leaning back and kind of flicking it up. It's, there is something there. It's a mental block with him where he just needs to realize, dude, you're a beast when you're aggressive. Like, but it's like one or two possessions be. a game, it unlocks, and you're like, there! <laughs> exactly. <laughs> and it's it's almost like, you know, he goes black, it, it, you know, goes like goes like red and doesn't think and wakes up like, what did I do? I, I like, <laughs> you know, it's the the bull Durham. That was beautiful. What did I do? I don't I don't know how that happened. It's <laughs> So I, I think that, you know, and, and we saw and we mentioned Armand, I thought that Armand drive that they mentioned where he just ripped through and went. It was like, what? where's that been? You know, like, yeah, these guys have the ability to do this. They just have to mentally and you get it with Armand. He's a freshman. You know, he's going to be intimidated by everybody who steps up to guard him. Who's a veteran? You just are. That's that's life in college basketball. But with Justin Smith, he's been there. He's seen it. He knows he can have a big impact on a game. Dude, just go up. It, it, here's the two things are going to happen. You're either going to take a good, solid shot, or you're going to get fouled in that situation. Fading away, the referees are not going to award you, first of all. And second of all, you just, I, I don't know, it just feels like he, you're going to regret that shot because you're not, you know, putting your, your whole self into it, putting your whole body into it. It's like sometimes he's floating in between being a power player and wanting to be like a finesse player on the wing who shoots it you know and it's like and i i get the attraction to be in that but man when he plays with power it's just it's so effective and so you you hope Mm -hmm. that you see that more i thought overall he was pretty good today i mean he was he was a big culprit in the bad stretch as as was everybody but i thought over i mean he had a defensive i thought he should come out i thought he should come out during that bad stretch because he was and there were a couple times he did he didn't run back on defense it's you know put in race Thompson or Demisi or whoever for a couple minutes, let him sit down and then let him come back. I just think that that's, yeah, that's I'm, what you have to do in that situation. I'm fine with that, but I thought overall he was really good. And I thought he made a play in transition in the first half where he sprinted back and got that block on Mooney that ended up being a jump ball. Sure. That was one of the best defensive plays we've seen an IU player make this year. And, and so, you know, again, for the most part, a pretty solid day. He just, those shooting numbers, you'd like them to be better, and it really felt like they could have been today. Um, and you know, so hopefully that's something that he learns from. Any other numbers for you that stood out, Ryan? Indiana led for 32 minutes and 56 seconds. That that's the big one, and almost lost the game somehow. <laughs> um, there were only two lead changes too. That's the other thing. That was kind of crazy. Um, but no, I think you covered most of them. We covered pretty much every statistic on this list. I think that 41 percent from the field. Uh, when you're missing that many close to the basket, it was, they missed maybe 10 shots close to the basket, you know, and to still shoot 41% is pretty impressive at that point. Yep. Okay. Coming up on the assembly call, we will hand out our game balls and then we will hit any other lingering storylines from this game and look ahead to what's coming up for Indiana. Another week without a game. Uh, then it'll be time for last call. All of that coming next on the assembly call. Stick with us. Jordan Halls, and I never miss a shot or an episode of The Assembly Call. Thank you, Jordan. You are listening to The Assembly Call IU postgame show. Catch us live immediately following every IU basketball game, plus every Thursday night at our website, assemblycall.com. While you're there, make sure that you sign up for our free IU Hoops email newsletter. Over 7,000 of your fellow IU fans have subscribed. You can also text IU to 66866 to subscribe to the newsletter. That is IU to 66866. I'm Jared Morris. I'm here with Ryan Phillips, and we are breaking down Indiana's 
Nail biting, uh, 62 to 60 victory over uh, the Notre Dame Fighting Irish today at the Crossroads Classic. The Hoosiers now 11 and 1 on the season. As we mentioned at the top of the show, you know, of those four really important non conference games, the Hoosiers have won three of them. So, warts and all, this is a really, really solid start uh, for Indiana. Uh, it's time now uh, for our game balls. This is the. Uh, a lot of times it is the Trace Jackson Davis portion of the show because he has won six out of the uh, ten game balls coming, or six out of the eleven game balls coming into today, uh, and certainly he should get some consideration for what he did down the stretch. But I think the game ball is pretty easy for this one. Pretty easy one. Going go to the young fella. You want to do the honors? I've I've gushed yeah. about Armand all all show. Armand Franklin, 17 points, 5 of 6 from the field, 4 of 5 from 3, 3 of 4 from the free throw line, too. Uh, One rebound, one assist, no turnovers. Did all that in 14 minutes. He is easily our game ball. The young fella. Man, he only played 14 minutes. Yep. It felt like he was out there for 30, didn't it? Just how many big plays he made? 17 points in 14 minutes. That's efficiency. Um, And I would say, you know, the young fella coming back home, Cathedral High uh grad uh that's that's a good storyline there for him and is there any reason to think that this isn't something he'll be able to build on you know sometimes you see freshmen kind of well because you see freshmen sometimes that kind of pop up and they have a big game but this to me feels like a bit of a turning point game for him because of the you know the type of plays that he was making it should really give him confidence in some important ways yeah, I think that he's a guy who can build off of this. I don't think we're going to see 17 points from him again this year. And I don't think we're going to see four or five shooting from him again this year. But I think that it's something he can build off of, create confidence to where he can step into a shot in a big moment. And and he can, you know, drive off the wing or, or you know, I mean, there's certainly the ability, the ability to do this stuff exists. But I think that um, it's going to be. You're, I don't think you're going to see this performance again. But certainly, he has. He should gain confidence from it, and I think he yeah. can build off of it. And and now he becomes a viable second unit option uh, off the bench at the guard spot. And it, it's nice for him to be able to play this role where it's like there's less pressure on him when you have yeah, the he other can be three a freshman. guards out there, right? Instead of having to you know have the pressure every game of that production. Um, I do want to give honorable mention to two guys. Trace Jackson Davis, who once again down the stretch was huge for Indiana. He had to sit a for closer, a lot of the man. first half. Boy, he is. You know, he did it and, against and you Nebraska. Know what? I'll say here. In the first half, I will say Archie Miller stole a lot of minutes and the team was still playing well with for Jackson Davis and um, for Jackson Davis and fantasy. He stole a lot of minutes with those guys. Jackson Davis was in foul trouble, two very questionable fouls, in my opinion, especially given what wasn't being called in the post. And then, you know, Rob Finnessy, who obviously not all the way back, they just were able to kind of shove him to the bench and say, hey, take some time off, yeah. try and get back into this game in the second half. Stole a lot of minutes and and maybe like seven. And, and yeah. was able that way, you know, Trace was able to be on his game late. Yeah, and Trace, 14 points, also had the seven rebounds, but also two steals and two blocks. I mean, he was a really yeah. disruptive defender today. Well, now, he, the reason did they why, credit him with a block on that last play, the the layup that Notre Dame had to I don't try know, and tie it? But he played really good I, defense on that play. If, yeah, because if he didn't get a, he he recovered really well. He got beat off the first step, recovered really well. I wasn't sure if they credited him with a block or not, but he contested to the point where yeah. that was a difficult shot that looked like a layup. And by the way, he finished with just the two fouls. So, I mean, yeah. it, one of the more impressive things about him that we don't talk about much is he doesn't foul very much. No. <laughs> at all, which is big. And he got those a, two a real quick. He, yeah. he got those two a few minutes into the first half. And uh, I mean, he got him. He got him real quick back to back. I mean, yeah, it was at about the eight minute so, mark, I think, when he yeah, went out. So, you know, it's one of those things where he had those two fouls really close together. Other than that, didn't foul the entire game. So yeah, impressive. and honor, honorable mention too to Joey Brunk because one of the reasons why Indiana was able yeah. to do that, that first, first half, half was because Brunk played really really well. Um, let's talk real quick about Rob Finnessy. Haven't talked a lot about him. Really struggled to get anything going offensively. Mm-hmm. It was zero for six. I thought a couple of the shots were pretty forced. You know, he, he had a couple of, of assists and that was fine. But you know, we saw last year and it was really it was more post concussion that there would be games where it's like, wow, Rob is just giving you nothing now he and then he would yeah. come back the next game and be great so i'm not going to overreact to this at all because we know that he's been you know hasn't been able to practice much still getting his conditioning back it really this kind of felt like one of those games where like if archie had to play him 25 minutes he probably would have but it seemed like archie wanted to play him as little as possible like get Steal him the game get him 12 yeah. 15 minutes and get you know let him get some run out there 
but not put him out there, you know, any more than he needed to. And obviously, you're going to put him out there late for defense. Um, but it's just, you know, he's not back to being Rob yet. And no, you know, so we'll just consistently, especially. Yeah, and, that, and that's where I think, you know, over the next the next week can be really important to get more practice, get more conditioning. Um, he just, you know, he, he just seemed out of it. Um, and, and wasn't able to ever really get himself going. Yeah, never got locked in 15 minutes. Um, they brought him in for defense at the end and that last possession. I thought he played a, a very good defensive possession. Um, but he's, you know, he's one of those guys where he's always valuable as a defender, but at the same time, he's got to get locked in offensively. And we've seen him locked in offensively already this year a few times. Yes, as Chad says uh, in the chat mob, load management? Load management. I, I think yeah, they're doing a little exactly. load management with Rob, but he's playing. So he's I mean, playing, yeah. yeah, it's, it's not, not not like he's healthy. We got to get it out. to the point where everybody's practicing full bore. Yes. Everybody's, you know, because that just makes it, it makes the team better because you're practicing against better players. Look, you know, so when everybody's... let's take a step back here real quick and just look big picture because you know there are this team and these games, these wins are littered with warts that concern you as you head into Big Ten play, you know, and you think about, you know, all the the good teams that are out there. But, you know, it's important to note, with all of those, you know, warts baked into the cake, Indiana's 11-1. And And they had, you know... 3-0 in the the out-of-conference. Yeah, and now, you know, I don't want to say that you're playing with house money in that Arkansas game, because it's a home game, and Arkansas is 32nd in Ken Palm, we're 34th. We Gotta should beat them at home, just like we should have beaten them last year up there. But, like, you have a little bit of margin for error. It'll be bad, but it won't be a disaster if you lose that one because you've already gotten these three. Okay, so yeah, yeah. You're don't take it the wrong way. We yeah. should win this game, but you've actually given yourself a little bit of non-conference breathing room, and that's that's a good position to be in. And winning is a habit, and this team is getting into the habit of winning. Now, the naysayers or you know, just, you know, someone who wants to counter that will fairly say, don't we kind of feel about this team right now like we felt about the team last year at this time? It's very similar. Indiana's winning close games. There's warts, but they're finding ways to pull it out. Remember what happened last year. Things are going well. You know, Rob goes down with the concussion. Deron Davis gets hurt. Guys start going in and out, and the season just craters, and Indiana can't adjust to it. So we have no idea what circumstances are going to be presented but it's a very similar situation Indiana is in this year to last year, um, except you know now they've banked two neutral court wins, you know the Crossroads Classic and the game against UConn. So I think as many warts as there are, and as many things as we want to pick apart, and all rightfully so, tip of the cap to these guys for going out and getting eleven wins. You know, because yeah, now games. if you win, I mean, if you find a way to win nine more games on your mm-hmm. schedule, you're going to feel real good about your chances to make the NCAA tournament if you get to twenty wins. So. It's a really, really good spot for Indiana to be in, but a lot of teachable mistakes out there that, you know, hopefully the coaching staff, hopefully the players are learning from. Um, But, you know, another win is another win. (laughs) At the end of the day, that's what matters. So, you know, I mean, I thought we were going to be able to cruise the final 10 minutes, though, and really kind of enjoy (laughs) this victory. Apparently they felt the same way because I had the the bad feeling about it the entire day because it's a crossroads classic and weird stuff always happens in that. that For a long time, it was basically the reverse of the 2015 crossroads classic. Yeah, it was the exact opposite. The exact. Except I saw somebody tweet out that Notre Dame is exercising some 2015 demons. And I was like, oh, God, yeah, they are. Yeah, but came back. You know, Devontae and Justin had that nice little stretch there where they scored the points and then Armand and Trace finished it off. So, you know, we'll take it. We will take it. 11 and 1 uh, for the Hoosiers. So looking ahead, obviously, Merry Christmas to everybody. We are not going to have a show between now and Christmas. uh, So we wish everybody a very Merry Christmas. There will be no Banner Monday after that. Uh, or I guess Banner Monday is before Christmas, but there will be no Banner Monday, then Christmas. Then we will have Assembly Call Radio the day after Christmas. I think you and Coach for Great. sure. Yeah, you and Coach for sure are going to be here. I'm, I'm going to be driving back, so hopefully I'll be here uh, for that. And then where, the are you dri- where are you going? Going down to Copper's Cove near oh, Fort Hood. You. Yeah, Heather's, Heather's uh, family. We always go down there for Christmas. So I'll be driving I'm back. I'm staying up. in San Diego where it's warm. Nice. It's going to be warm here. It's going to be 70 on Christmas Day here. Nice. 
No, I don't. I don't like that. I want. I know you grew I up. I want in it the to cold. feel like you Christmas. Wanna... Yes, I want. I got to... that. I got that at Thanksgiving. I'm good. <laughs> you know what? I'm gonna get plenty of cold for my for my like last year when we go in February. That'll be enough to yes. to sustain me for the Indiana in February. Will be enough to sustain me for cold weather. <laughs> yes, uh, and then the IU Arkansas game on Sunday, January 29th. I believe that game is 29th. Scheduled. You mean December 29th. That's what I meant. December 29th. You said January. Yeah, I did because yeah. I have it typed and here's January, but it is December. That game will start at six o'clock. Is that going to be opposite NFL playoff games? Probably. Probably. Yeah. All right, well, hopefully it's not the Packers game because if it is, you guys are doing the show. But <laughs> well, you became a Packers fan now? No, my wife is. I can't, I'm I'm you know, I can't, I can't leave her with the kid while the Packers are uh, on a playoff game. You're going to have to get your computer set up and do the double screen <laughs> I thing. Know, I know. Uh, all right. You are listening to the Assembly Call IU post game show. Remember that because you're an Assembly Call listener, you get 20% off of your entire order at homefieldapparel.com with the promo code Assembly20. Have you and Madeline gotten your sweatshirts, by the way? Uh, not yet. We've not gotten the but I haven't checked today. So. Okay, they sh- they should be there. If because if you want assembly call gear, like if you have the Bison logo sweatshirt, but you want another hoodie, we now have an assembly call hoodie. If you go to homefieldac.com, you'll find that stuff. We do get a little cut uh, when you purchase the assembly call gear, but it's really really comfortable. So yeah. if you're looking if you're looking for another hoodie and you want to support the assembly call, you can go there and get that one. Uh, and again, use the promo code assembly two zero to get twenty percent off your entire order. All right, Ryan. Good win to go into the holidays with. Again, eleven and one. We can. Hey, we've got them. We we banked them. They're in our back pocket. We can move forward. Uh, let's go to last call. Final thoughts on Indiana's sixty-two sixty victory over Notre Dame. Yeah, a lot of disappointing uh, stuff in the second half. But the bottom line is that Indiana went out and won the game and got down five late. It wasn't like they were down one and came back and won. They were down five and woke up worked the offense, worked the defense and, and caught some tremendous play out of the freshmen uh, to, to, to secure a win, uh, a win. I, I hate saying this all the time, but a win is a win and, and you need to bank those. And Indiana didn't have enough in the numbers column last year to make the NCAA tournament, regardless of strength, of schedule and all that stuff. Indiana should have made the tournament based on all of these metrics, but they just didn't have the raw numbers of wins. You bank another win here and heading into Big Ten play, that's enormous because you don't know what's going to happen in Big Ten play. Uh, Indiana's goal is to be at the top of the Big Ten and is to be you know, a national title contender. You got to take baby steps to get there. And the first step is making the dang tournament. And, and, it's, and it's succeeding in these types of games, these neutral court games against you know top 100 opponents. And so Indiana did it regardless of how ugly it looked. The team did earn a win and showed some toughness late. I thought they showed not a whole lot of toughness in the middle of the second half, allowing themselves to get kind of steamrolled there for about 10 minutes. But to come back at the end and eke this out and fight back and earn the win did show toughness. So you're you're getting two IUs at this point. Which one's going to win out? You've got to hope that the tougher, smarter team that that – can really bury a team when it plays well, as it did to Florida State at times, as it did in Notre Dame. You got to hope that that team wins out and that team becomes the team that IU is. And you feel like the potential is there. It's just a matter of getting the leadership on the court that is needed. And 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 so hopefully we'll start to see that and we'll start to see some of these older guys flourish and 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 really put their stamp on this team. Because right now, you know, the freshmen are leading the way, which is which is kind of dangerous heading into Big Ten play. So, uh, but look, they won, and, and and that's that's the big thing. Eleven and one right now, three and zero out of co- in the big out of conference games that we earmarked. Fourth one coming up soon. Uh, we'll see how they can do, but it, it's a positive that they go into the Christmas break with a win. It's interesting, you know, Indiana opened the season ranked number 34 in Ken Palm. And you would have thought if Indiana's going to win 11 of their first 12 games, they would have moved up. But as they sit here right now today, they are 34th in Ken Palm. And, you know, you look at the last three games to kind of further the point I mentioned before. This is an interesting time where you can really look at things as either the glass being half full or the glass being half empty, depending on the perspective that you want to take. Because Indiana has won three straight games against UConn, Nebraska, and Notre Dame, two of them on a neutral court. That's huge to move to 11 and one, two big resume boosting wins. And yet their Ken Palm ranking has gone from 26 to 34th. And I get it. You know, Ken Palm isn't everything, yada, yada. That is all true. But what it does show is that against expectations and in comparison to other teams, 
Indiana, you know, winning some of these games closer than you might expect. And these are, you know, games against teams ranked 60th, 129th, 62nd. So for those who want to view the glass half full, which is how I'm going to view it, and I'll explain why in just a minute, 11 and 1, good wins for the NCAA tournament resume. But for those folks who are focused a little bit more on the warts, who are thinking that the glass is, a, you know, half empty, who are flashing back to last year and remembering how that good start went away in Big Ten play, I understand that perspective. It is a reasonable way to, to view this. But the reason why I am, am, am trending more optimistic right now is because part of the reason why I think Indiana has played some of these games closer and been inconsistent is just you're going to be inconsistent when your guards are inconsistent. And not only have Indiana's guards played inconsistent, their health has been inconsistent. So I still think there's a lot of room for improvement for this Indiana team on both ends of the court if those guards can get healthy and, and practice together and get that continuity. And so, you know, that to me is where you, I think we can really see this Indiana team start to take off. And it'll be interesting to see what happens on Sunday because it is a jump up in competition from playing 60, 129, and 66 to now playing 32nd ranked Arkansas that has a couple of legit NBA prospects on their team. Should be, hopefully, you know, Assembly Hall is rocking. It's going to be a really important game, I think, for Indiana to show us where they are heading into Big Ten play. It's going to be an exciting, uh, difficult Big Ten gauntlet this year, but Indiana's put itself in a really good position. They played 32 good minutes of basketball today against Notre Dame. We're almost done in by the eight bad minutes, but they got the win. That is the most important thing, but now the most important thing moving forward is to improve, to get better, and to make sure that they're ready when all these tough Big Ten games start coming up. All right, that is going to do it for us on this edition of the Assembly Call IU Postgame Show. If you want to see us do the show live and be part of the live chat, make sure that you subscribe to our YouTube channel, youtube.com slash assemblycall. And don't forget to go to assemblycall.com or text IU to 66866 to join our free email newsletter. Thank you to longtime listener Bob Thompson, who produced a lot of the music that you hear on the show. And thank you for listening. We will be back to talk IU hoops again with you next Thursday for Assembly Call Radio. Until then. Take it from me, Yogi Farrell. Keep your elbows in and your eyes on the rim. And go Hoosiers. Thank everybody for coming out. All right. I got to get out of here, folks. Thank you. And cut. It's noon and I haven't eaten. It's usually the evenings <laughs> that catch me. Yeah, hey, I, you know, but you were you were surprisingly focused and alert today for it being a pre-noon show. You know, usually you're yeah. very sluggish and Yeah. I think I think that's fair. <laughs> it's a fair, I can't believe, fair I can't believe the game starts for you at nine o'clock in the morning. Nine o'clock weird. in the morning. Yeah. <laughs> I was uh, having some TV issues this morning too. Maria. <sighs> Finally it worked out. Everything's fine. Nothing to panic about. Good. Rolled over at 845 and was like, oh, son of a. <laughs> we decided to go without alarms. Like, just like, let's just sleep. Let's just have a night where we sleep. We slept. You slept. Hey, that's good. That's yeah. good. Rolled over. I was just like, oh, I thought I was going to be able to do like that hour long, relax in bed, go through your phone, you know. That's life when you don't have kids, Jared. You probably don't remember. <laughs> I do not. It's, I do not remember this on at all. a Saturday. Just kind of scrolling through your phone, relax. Maybe put on some music. Just kind of, and then just lay there in bed. Yeah, just do, I, yeah. I remember those times. Actually, uh, we we sent our daughter to my parents' house last weekend, and so we we had like Sunday morning to ourselves. And we're talking about we can sleep in stuff. Nah, we were up early. We've forgotten how to do it. Yeah, like you just <laughs> you know. I think I would need really like fun. a full we month of that to remember how to be able to sleep in again. For those of you that don't know, my sister has four uh, from ages three to 10 has four kids and her and my brother-in-law like took the kids out for something uh when we were there at thanksgiving and it was my parents and my girlfriend just sitting in this in in the living room and i was like oh my god do you hear that and they're like no what and i said exactly like it was just quiet and like you could just do whatever you wanted for 45 minutes it was it was unbelievable and i was like oh my god i remember <laughs> i'm remembering why i don't have kids it's i want some quiet and tired and sleep and yeah uh, but once you have i know kids, i know the rewards are wonderful yeah 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 <laughs> you, you would you would not trade it but it is nice every now and then to remember what that to just was. yeah re- well it was funny sure. we'd been there we'd been there for a week so i had completely forgotten what sleeping was like and what you know having a, a night like reading in a living room or something was like and <laughs> you know just open these, are, nice these are all foreign concepts to me, yeah exactly you know? and so like they left and i was like oh my god i had forgotten what silence sounded like <laughs> you know <laughs> 
So, uh, but that's yes. true. But when you get, regardless of kids, that's true. When you get any like a bunch of family members in a place, it's just loud. You yeah. know, I mean, there's stuff going on. People cooking, people walking through. You know, having separate conversations. But yeah, when it's kids, it seems to get amplified just a little bit. More. Yes, definitely. All right. Speaking of kids, I'm gonna go help my daughter get a nap. So, all right, go do that. I will. You gonna, you gonna try and enjoy a nap too, or is that just out of the question? No, there's stuff to do. That that's the yeah. thing is when it's nap time, then it's like you, you get scramble to done. go get stuff done. Yeah. Yes, yes, that's how this works. <laughs> I don't know though. I might actually try and take a nap today. She'll often say like, "Daddy, do you want to lay down and sleep with me?" And it's really tempting. And I, I usually can't. <laughs> Every time. I might. I might just go do it today. So if the post game show is late, if the podcast is late getting up, someone come wake. Blame me up. Jared Morris. Like three his hours. Daughter. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, okay everybody All right, guys have a Thanks great holiday everybody merry christmas talk to you have guys on uh, ac radio next week later bye we saved big money with our progressive home and auto bundle and used the cash to take a family vacation to hawaii who's up for a luau yeah! this is not a real testimonial sure customers can save big money with progressive but not enough to go to hawaii they'll probably use it for things like the mortgage and groceries or even a travel magazine so at least they can see pictures of hawaii aloha <laughs> yes say hello to those beautiful hawaiian beaches in that magazine progressive casualty insurance company and affiliates sticky notes email alerts a string around your finger they're just not big enough so here's a big reminder from the California Lottery. The Mega Millions jackpot is over $250 million. Play now. Please play responsibly. Must be 18 years or older to purchase player five. Some people just know there's a better way to do things, like bundling your home and auto insurance with Allstate or hiring someone to move your piano instead of doing it yourself. So do things the better way. Bundle home and auto and save up to 25% with Allstate. Bundled savings vary by state and are not available in every state. Saving up to 25% is the countrywide average of the maximum available savings off the home policy. All state vehicle and property insurance company and affiliates, Northbrook, Illinois.